This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Sam Colley is the CEO at Pod Group. As CEO based in San Francisco, Sam is responsible for all divisions of Pod Group in the US market. His expertise in enterprise data solutions for IoT are helping to expand Pod Group's presence globally. Sam is currently CEO of Pod Group and leading an initiative to establish the world's first Eno enterprise network operator, empowering enterprises to take ownership of their networks and achieve scale as mass IoT becomes a reality. Pod Group provides enterprises, manufacturers, and systems integrators with a complete suite of IoT connectivity technologies via their intuitive and agnostic system. Sam Colley, welcome to ClientSide. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. So let's start with your background in history because it's absolutely fascinating. When you left university, you had no plans to get into the connectivity and IoT business. How did you start your career at Pod Group? Sure, yeah. So I guess no one really grows up dreaming of going into telco, but um, how I ended up at Pod Group is after, after university, decided to move to Spain, mainly to try and, and learn the language. And um, after a year and a half, I met the founder, Charles uh, Towers Clark, and got to chatting with him. And, and he was looking to start kind of expanding the company there in, in Spain itself. So kind of fell into to IoT. But, you know, immediately it was clear that, you know, this was back in 2010, 2011. And, you know, it was clear that it was going to be an exciting industry. But, you know, back then it wasn't even called IoT. It was just a standard at older M2M. So, you know, and then from there, just kind of evolved through the company uh, into the UK office. And then in 2014, uh, moved out to the US to, to open and run the, the business here in, in North America. So, so let's talk about that in a bit more detail, because the evolution of IoT has, has been fascinating. As you, as you said, the early days, it wasn't even called IoT, it was M2M. Maybe talk us through the evolution of IoT over the last sort of five to 10 years and maybe give us a snapshot as to kind of how the ecosystem has evolved to where we are today. Yes, I mean, IoT, you know, it's gone from really just being, you know, one machine communicating with another machine to kind of every device deployed, potentially communicating, you know, with other, well, still with other devices, but also then I think the big change is kind of the, the decision making behind it and the automation of that decision making to make things much more efficient. And back five years ago, you know, there was a lot of hype around IoT and the connections that were going to be achieved. And I think a lot of that hype was driven around the potential consumer applications of, of IoT. But I think where it's really come into its own and really started to get traction and you know people are talking about it you see on billboards these days when you're driving around so when i say i work in iot people don't just give me like a a blank face or a blank stare <laughs> you kind of have some inkling of, as to what it is mm. um and i think really the the industrial iot piece the manufacturing piece the supply chain piece is is kind of what's really driving a lot of the adoption that will actually get us to you know the numbers that were hyped five years ago that you know maybe haven't been achieved to date because i think on the consumer side there's still a lot of kind of question marks around security and, and people's willingness to give up their their data and whereas on the on the kind of enterprise side you know there's a clear business value for it people understand how it works and and, and the value it can bring to the company um, and and so I think that kind of brand awareness and then industry 4.0 is really kind of like enhancing the adoption and also just the evolution of technology uh, and ability for people to deploy their own networks be it on cellular or you know with using things like LoRaWAN or Sigfox um, and then also the kind of 
the cost efficiencies now and the availability of hardware and, and those technologies is kind of also kind of encouraging a lot more people to consider it as an option uh, within their business as they as they digitize. Hmm. So, so why do enterprises generally adopt IoT? Is it for cost efficiencies, as you say? Is it to find new sources of revenue and growth? What are some of the main business cases for enterprises adopting IoT? I think the two kind of you mentioned there, operational efficiencies and, and also kind of trying to find new new revenue streams are, are, are important. I think there's also mistakes that are made by companies who adopt IoT and don't really think it through properly and, and kind of doing it because it's fashionable. And I think that happens, you know, uh, in every industry. Um, but there's also those who are adopting it, I think, to simply make the world a better place or developing applications to, to make the world a better place. And there's some really interesting things going on out there particularly one one of our customers they do kind of solar panels that generate clean drinking water where where that's not available either in rural areas or in countries outside of the US and you know there are applications that are genuinely just being generated to kind of I guess improve the world that that, that we live in and, and make sure it's more fair and equitable and I think mm. the main reasons are obviously I think operational efficiencies and 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 you know, new business opportunities to generate revenue, recurring revenue for, for companies that maybe previously didn't have access to that. But I think, you know, there's a lot of nuances to it. Really interesting. Could you give us an idea of some of the applications that you're most excited about as far as IoT is concerned? And then maybe talk about some examples, how your clients are using IoT, maybe, maybe share a couple of examples there. In terms of I kind of am excited about or interested in, I mean, we don't necessarily play too much in, in that space, but I really think that smart agriculture and environmental monitoring applications are, are really interesting and, and also then kind of that comes into that is also supply chain management and that isn't as, as glamorous as some of the the applications out there but for me i think the the benefits for the kind of like the the greater good of of the of the planet kind of what excite me about those in terms of kind of making sure that the supply chains are efficient we're reducing waste you know we're not overusing chemicals in agriculture or, or overwatering things and, and just trying to make sure that you know we can kind of optimize the way that that we're producing to sustain the you know, population we have around the world and do it in an effective manner and, and therefore i think you know hopefully prolong the, the existence of us humans on on our planet which would be ideal obviously um so and then in terms of <laughs> that's the goal exactly and in terms of kind of some ways in which our customers are using iot i mean we don't necessarily work always with the with the end customer we work with a lot of system integrators so kind of the people who are building the applications who are then kind of i guess selling them to to be used by the end user but um i think you know one I mentioned before, I find is really interesting in terms of kind of using technology to, to generate clean drinking waters, kind of fascinating to me. And then, you know, we also have a lot of customers now in the, in the medical or telehealth space where, you know, remote monitoring of patients and kind of, kind of, I think the pandemic's really helped, but kind of removing a lot of the red tape that's pre-existed and, and allowing people to, to recover from home and, and make sure we're preventing any relapses and, and that kind of preventative medicine is is really interesting as well and obviously you know hopefully again will be of, of benefit to, to us all really interesting so so let's talk about pod group in a bit more detail then i mean you mentioned that you you sell or you work mainly with si system systems integrators talk a little bit about who some of your clients are what problems do they have and how does pod group solve them yes i mean it's it's pretty broad to be honest in terms of uh, our client base we work with a lot of different 
kind of SIs doing a lot of different things. And also, you know, there are some, some end users as well. And I think, you know, some of the problems they're trying to solve are regulatory problems. I mean, if you look in the US, you know, like the electronic logging um, mandate here, you know, where, you know, now it kind of, you know, when drivers log their hours, et cetera, you know, that, that has to be done electronically to ensure that, you know, you know, safety of the driver and obviously those those around them. And so kind of there's those sorts of problems they're solving. There's also the problems, you know, that are more kind of aspirational, you know, the ones certainly in the in the environmental space, I think, are kind of interesting. And then, you know, other problems they're trying to solve are more kind of internal problems. And that can be, you know, particularly with the, the pandemic, for example, you know, everyone working from home, like how to how do you connect? How do you stay connected? How do you have a reliable internet connection? And so, you know, I think the the problems that our customers are trying to solve are very broad, um, to be honest, and uh, and that's kind of what makes working in the connectivity space kind of interesting because you do touch a lot of different parts of IoT um, instead of being kind of you know stuck in in one specific vertical. As soon as you start talking about revenue generation opportunities and and cost cutting, the ear of the CEO and the and the senior leader generally perks up because you know they're very interested in, in having that that kind of conversation but it's not as simple as as that when it comes to implementing iot talk about some of the reasons why iot is difficult to implement across the enterprise and and how do companies overcome some of those challenges i think a lot of what makes it difficult to implement iot at the enterprise level is probably experience today i think there's a lot of technology out there that exists that enterprises can can either take something off the shelf or, or you know, pull together the application themselves. But, you know, the idea of digitization is new to a lot of companies. You know, we're kind of, we've moved, you know, in the last 10 years, 10, 15 years, very quickly in terms of technological advancements. And I think, you know, a lot of companies maybe didn't have experience with that. And they're still kind of working in, you know, the ways they did before these kind of technologies came along. And so, you know, how to implement, you know, a new technology within a company is, is is the difficult part i think not the actual technology existing and you know the planning around that mm. um you know strategically picking the right things to try and optimize or or, or save money on um or, or where to generate new revenue streams is a challenge and i think a lot of companies get that that wrong and i think um uh, a report uh, that, that that we participated in before you know basically said about 78% of, of projects within a company are deemed to have failed or IT projects are deemed to have failed at the first attempt. And, you know, I think having that expertise internally or picking the right partner uh, to help kind of give you that expertise uh, in the short term whilst you're implementing things is really uh, important. And there are companies who have done a really fantastic job of it. I mean, John Deere in the agricultural space, you know, they basically have created, you know, a whole slew of, of different applications around farm machinery that kind of essentially are adding value beyond the actual equipment itself, you know, adding value to the whole agricultural ecosystem. And it's a real ecosystem play. And, you know, how they're all interconnected and, and communicate has been planned. And it's not just, you know, standalone applications. And, and so, you know, each application can feed information to the other one so that the end user can make a better decision uh, about what they're doing. So, mm. you know, it. I think it's, with anything, it's kind of sometimes you underestimate the experience and knowledge needed to do it, um, but certainly the technology is there. So I think there are opportunities for every company to adopt IoT, but certainly putting the resources into planning and then managing that adoption uh, is really the key part to, to it being a success. Hmm. And I imagine also selling it into the to all of the stakeholders, 
is a challenge as well. I imagine that it mainly sits in the house of the IT director or the CIO or, or, or sort of CTO. I imagine that they are the ones driving the adoption across the enterprise. But I imagine that they would also need to get support from, you know, procurement, uh, sales and marketing, even um, a number of other divisions within the business. Talk about how you've seen IoT being sold into other functions within the enterprise to get that cross-functional support. Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm not sure I have any kind of like direct examples as to where I've seen it. But I mean, change is always the challenge, right? And and certainly, you know, one person's idea may not kind of translate into everyone else being being happy uh, about that idea. And there's a lot of reasons. I think fear of change is, is one of them. And what does that mean for any individual stakeholder within a company? You know, does it mean that, you know, if they make these changes that their job will be on the line or, you know, they won't be needed anymore? And, and I think, you know, the the buy-in needs to come from education and that comes from planning and, and strategic implementation. And, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of people who aren't used to working with technology and in some respects, you know, don't always trust it as well um, uh, to make the right decisions, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that that can be a challenge. And I think kind of the more examples that, you know, we, that we see in the market moving forward, the more people will be, you know, less fearful of adopting IoT in general. And that could be, you know, all of the stakeholders, because if they see it in operating in another company or a competitor, then they'll be more likely to be open to it. And certainly if they're starting to get left behind because they've not adopted it, then that will obviously initiate kind of more adoption in IoT. And I think manufacturing is one of those verticals where if manufacturers kind of delay the onboarding of IoT, they're likely to kind of lose out just because of some of the technology that's been developed and the idea of a digital twin ecosystem where you can basically pre-plan changes to your manufacturing to your manufacturing flows for new products, you know, virtually without even having to do anything manually on the floor and those sorts of operational efficiencies. Obviously, you know, every company would want to would want to adopt eventually. Otherwise, as I say, they they just become uncompetitive. So it's a mm. it's an interesting question and it's a, it's a it is a challenge. And I would say, mm. you know, getting the buy-in really takes a lot of time and you know, we have an internal example at Pod, unrelated to IoT, um, where a few years ago we kind of shifted our our culture here to be kind of more decentralised in terms of decision making and and have a lot more transparency in in terms of our f- company financials, in terms of wages, and giving people the power to almost pick their own salaries as they as they kind of progress through their careers here. And you know, initially there's a lot of fear but now if you ask any of the employees you know they're unlikely to want to go back to what we had before so it's kind of you don't know the benefit it could be for you until you've kind of experienced it and i think you know that was the biggest challenge and you know the mistakes were made certainly and you know the biggest mistakes were probably around yeah education and planning and i think that's that kind of transcends any business decision you you said earlier that a lot of the fear around iot exists on the consumer side because there's a lot of sort of fear around security and, and, and data privacy, et cetera. But that fear also exists on the enterprise side as well. Talk about how how enterprises can sort of overcome their fear of data breaches when it comes to IoT. Because, you know, if for whatever reason, hackers are able to get access to sensitive private information, that can really damage the enterprise's brand and, and credibility, as well as sort of their overall business model. Talk about how enterprises can sort of protect themselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the enterprise, you know, I think they have a bit more control over how that IoT, you know, device or service is being used and how it's being implemented. You know, if you're at home and you buy a, 
Amazon Echo off off Amazon and, and it comes to your house, like you have no idea what was built, you know, what firmware's on it or, you know, how it could be working or, or listening in your in your home. But, you know, with an enterprise, you know, often they're working directly with an SI or they're doing it themselves where they get to control what hardware they're using, what security they're putting on it. And so I think for me, it should always be like security first at every single layer of the of the application, be it hardware, connectivity, or software, and that should always be be the question that an enterprise is asking um, their partners. And I think if they're not, then obviously they're exposing themselves to possible liability, possible breaches, and uh, and therefore you know that fear is real. But I do think they kind of hold the cards in that scenario, and you know to the best of their ability, they can control the level of security they have within the application. Um, and therefore, I think, reduce the risk they have of, of being hacked. But, you know, for an enterprise, obviously, being exposed or losing that data, you know, can cost them billions of dollars, depending on who the who the enterprise is. And that is something of a, of a concern. But I do feel that there are solutions out there that they can easily pick up and control that, you know, minimize those risks. And, you know, I think some of the early breaches haven't been super detrimental to 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 companies, but obviously have kind of raised some red flags because they could have been a lot worse. Um, and no one wants to be the kind of, you know, the first company to <laughs> to kind of have, you know, a breach that essentially, you know, destroys their business. So mm. as I say, I think they have a lot more control over it and therefore the fear should be should be somewhat less, although obviously it's, it's still a concern. Mm, really interesting. Last couple of questions about Pod Group before we um, end, end the interview. You, you became CEO in, in 2019. What what were your objectives when you first took over the role, inherited the role, and how prepared did you feel? Yeah, I think the objectives uh, were basically to really consolidate our kind of vision and our mission as a company, um, and focus on on our strengths and and not become too broad of an offering, um, <clears throat> and essentially really kind of focus in on on how we can start delivering services for the enterprise which has kind of evolved into you know the eno or, or enterprise network operator concept that that we've kind of launched this year so really it was about kind of uh, kind of consolidating our offering into our into our platform um and then you know kind of expanding that 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 global reach that we already have today um to make sure that you know we can help those companies digitize and, and onboard connectivity but you know in terms of how prepared did I feel? Um, I'm not sure. It's a difficult one. <laughs> How prepared can you be for anything? And then, you know, within six months, we had a global pandemic, which basically threw most of our, our plans out of the window, um, which was a real challenge. And, and um, you know, I think I've learned a, a lot through that process uh, as well in terms of, you know, you know, obviously, you know, prior, prior to 2019, you know, you don't have control over everything. And, and obviously, you know, maybe things you would have done differently from, from the get-go. But I think it's, you know, learning to, to adapt to, to any situation is, is kind of really, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned from it. But I know that wasn't really part of the question. But, <laughs> but you know, we've managed, I think, to, to continue through and, and achieve what we wanted to achieve up to now. So it's been interesting. So as you think about the growth of the business over the next few years, um, imagine that the business five or 10 years from now is, is double the size. What would have happened? What would have had to have happened to enable that success? 
kind of again it's a kind of a, a tricky question but the, i think iot and particularly the industry we're in has proven to be relatively covid proof but another if we can avoid another pandemic that would be ace in terms of achieving that <laughs> that success yeah. um right. but you know i think a lot of it is about is about getting the the right people um and also kind of having the right technologies um and as i say kind of not trying to do too much at once and i think if you can if you can onboard the right technologies and provide a very specific kind of service to a, a large part of the IoT ecosystem, whilst also kind of engaging with the rest of the ecosystem and, and having new partnerships around new technologies and, and basically trying to stay as, as relevant as possible and, and kind of, you know, 80% be looking forward, 20% be looking back. I think there's no reason in an industry that's booming where, you know, hopefully within five to 10 years, we'll be far beyond just doubling our, our business size. And I think that the market size is certainly big enough to accommodate much larger growth. And so, yeah, I think for me, you know, in terms of the things we need in place, really a, a, a people and planning. Um, and I know it's not <laughs> an overly, an overly uh, kind of exotic answer, but, you know, that's probably the reality of it. Really interesting. Now, Sam, I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and, and, and giving us an insight into kind of uh, the current ecosystem and the future of IoT. I know that you're joining us on a, on a webinar in a couple of weeks time, so I'm excited about, about that as well. Um, we can dig into this in, in more detail. Um, final question before we go. What advice would you give to other aspiring technology CEOs specifically on how best to navigate their careers and operate as a, as a highly functioning CEO? It's a good question. I don't know if I'm a highly functioning CEO yet, but, um, but <laughs> I think, um, but I think, uh, you know, I think it's really just to kind of take opportunities as, as they come to you and, and, and kind of also then never be scared to ask questions or ask for help. Um, because I mean, you know, the technology landscape is, is vast. And I think for, for me, you know, it's impossible for me to know absolutely everything about every single technology out there. And therefore kind of, you know, generating partnerships, be it, you know, I mean, less internally, but more externally with, with people who have more experience and really kind of, you know, leaning on them for advice and, and, and feeding off them and, and kind of not kind of being too blinkered in your approach to, to any sort of business and be open to, you know, ideas that aren't yours and, and making sure that, you know, you support those ideas and, and the implementation of those ideas. Um, because essentially, you know, you're never probably going to be the smartest person in the room. I think that's, you know, <laughs> one of the biggest tips is always assume that you're not. Um, and, and then, you know, hopefully then you'll be able to make much better business decisions. And and as I say, I think, you know, something that, that our previous founder kind of introduced and, um, uh, you know, I fully believe in is, is really that, that, that decentralization of decision-making, giving decision-making power to others within the company and, you know, allowing them to really, to really thrive is, is, is the biggest piece of advice probably as well, mm. as I say, because, you know, it takes a team really, I think. So, I mean, that, that's really it. It's not, yeah, profound bunny stretch, but that, that's the advice I would, I would give. Great place to end. Sam, thank you so much for doing this. No worries. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the show, please email chloe at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Chloe Murray, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Annie Barber. You've been listening to Client Side Fox Agency. 
Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.